episode 152 of the Truth Quest podcast, the truth about May 2021. The month totalitarians, Fauci, and BLM were exposed as frauds. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and topics such as leftist lunacy, critical race theory, the trial of Officer Derek Chauvin, the gun show loophole, or illegal immigration comes up, please share the topic-specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partner. Episodes are available on a host of platforms, including iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, BitChute, Brighteon, ThinkSpot, Rumble, and Instagram, where I post a short highlight of each show at instagram.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Whatever platform you may be listening to this on, please take a moment to give it a five-star rating or leave a positive review. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through online advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. In May, Bill and Melinda Gates announced that they are getting divorced. And like the Prince Henry Meghan Markle coming to America story from April, no one cares, other than maybe Microsoft shareholders, as they wait and see how much stock Bill will have to dump in order to pay off Melinda. Regardless, the corporate press spent a full week covering both of these stories. The Facebook Supreme Court, or whatever the hell their board of advisors is called, determined that President Trump should continue to be censored off their platform to be further reviewed in six months. But don't worry, you can still get the thoughts of BLM and Antifa. They can continue to use the platform to organize riots. Nothing to see here. Hackers shut down the Colonial Pipeline, the biggest refined products pipeline in the U.S., transporting some 2.5 million barrels of fuel a day from refineries in the Gulf Coast to markets such as Atlanta, Charlotte, Washington, and New York. We had gas shortages in the southeast, people waiting in line to get a few gallons. Colonial reportedly paid a $5 million ransom to the hackers. Speaking of pipelines, while the Biden administration killed the Keystone XL pipeline here in the states due to climate change concerns, they were working to build and or protect pipelines in other countries like Afghanistan and Russia, leading any sane observer to conclude that all of their claims about climate change are bullshit. And Biden is purposely punishing American consumers and the American economy with higher gas prices. Speaking of resident Biden, he had this to say on Twitter regarding the COVID vaccine. Quote, the rule is now simple. Get vaccinated or wear a mask until you do. The choice is yours. My response on Facebook was, actually, Mr. Resident, I just pulled out my pocket constitution, and as it turns out, you have no authority to make such dictates. Furthermore, I've heard you invoke the abortion battle cry of my body, my choice on numerous occasions over the decades. Can you please explain to me why that does not apply to this circumstance? The forensic audit of the 2020 election continued in Maricopa County, Arizona. The left wing is losing their minds. The Maricopa County Board of Supervisors has done everything they can do to hide their wrongdoings around the election. And they're doing anything they can to stop the audit. What are they afraid of? Remind me how many votes Biden won Arizona by? What was it? A 
11,000? And compare that with the number of disputed ballots that the audit is likely to find in the tens of thousands. I think I answered my own question. The economic news continued to be cloudy. We had a big miss on a weekly jobs report in the middle of the month. Since the economy is getting back online after the COVID shutdowns, estimates were as high as 1 million new jobs. Well, it only came in at slightly over 200,000. See, here's one of life's indisputable facts. If you pay people more money to stay at home than they can make working, then they will stay home and not work. Which makes the surprise response demonstrated by the mainstream press at places like CNBC, where they supposedly understand the markets and the economy, it makes their surprise response difficult to digest. I mean, how far up their ass must the heads of these supposedly sophisticated market analysts be not to see the jobs report coming? File this under, same shit, different decade. After four years of relative peace in the Middle East under President Trump's leadership, Hamas started lobbing hundreds of bombs indiscriminately into Israel only four months into President Biden's reign. I'm sure there's no coincidence there. Well, Israel retaliated, and the world condemned Israel. Then there was a ceasefire. It looks like the impetus for the bombing was a potential election loss by the current regime over there in Hamas. So they canceled the election and started lobbing bombs at Israel. It, it's all very civilized. Hamas uses their citizens to protect their rockets, while Israel uses their rockets to defend their citizens. And Israel is called the aggressor. The fact is, if the Palestinians laid down their arms, there would be no more war. But if Israel laid down theirs, there would be no more Israel. And as you can imagine, following the fighting between Israel and Hamas, Jews in other parts of the world, including here in the States, were attacked and harassed by Hamas sympathizers. In the latest installment of Totalitarians at the Gate, Muriel Bowser, the mayor of Washington, D.C., banned dancing at weddings in order to minimize COVID spread. Well, at least she didn't do it in order to keep young people from having sex like they did in the movie Dirty Dancing. Muriel doesn't care about that. I'm sure she could arrange a taxpayer-funded abortion for anyone who asked. Speaking of dumbass totalitarian mayors, the racist mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, who resides over the murder capital of the United States, announced that she would no longer grant interviews to white reporters, only those of color. No cries of racism from the Alphabet Soup news outlets were forthcoming. The police union condemned her, which she in turn called a badge of honor. This woman is mentally ill, or evil, or both. Speaking of Israel, Hamas, murder, racism, and Chicago, in one weekend in May, 55 people were shot and 11 killed in Mayor Lightfoot's city. That same weekend, BLM declared their solidarity with Hamas. Nothing from them about the violence in Chicago, though. Now, I only bring that up because the majority of the victims in Chicago that weekend were black. So the real question is, do Black Lives Matter to Black Lives Matter? The founder of the St. Paul chapter of BLM, Rashad Turn, answered that question with a resounding no as he resigned his position. He claimed that the organization isn't concerned about helping black communities or helping improve the quality of education in Minneapolis. 
In further evidence of the deterioration of the Marxist BLM organization, the New York Times published an essay demonstrating that public support for the group is down to 2019 levels. Then we had mothers of some black victims, including Breonna Taylor, criticize BLM for benefiting off the blood of their loved ones. Then BLM's co-founder, Patrice Kohlers, who called herself a trained Marxist and has praised Chinese Communist Party founder Mao Zedong, departed the organization after reports disclosed her finances and real estate holdings. The NRA's president, Wayne LaPierre, became the latest political dissident as the IRS announced they are investigating him looking for a crime, just like the New York Attorney General who ran on a platform that she would go after Trump. Back in the day before America became a post-constitutional republic, this would be known as a violation of the Fourth Amendment. You know, the one about due process. You know, things like probable cause. Nope, not anymore. Today's Democrats investigate people looking for crimes rather than investigating a crime looking for the people who committed them. Mark my words. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis will eventually be the subject of an FBI investigation as his political star continues to rise. They will investigate him looking for a crime that will disqualify him for running for higher office. In other news, inflation is everywhere. It's surreal. We have inflation, gas lines, chaos in the Middle East. We have headbutting with Iran and Russia. Biden's second 100 days looks like the 1970s. As far as inflation goes, don't worry because the Federal Reserve says it's transitory. If I were you, however, I'd start buying some gold and silver and figure out how to get as many of your U.S. dollars into foreign currencies as possible. I mean, under Trump, gasoline averaged about $1.77 a gallon. It's now over $3. Lumber was $332 per thousand board foot under Trump. Now it's over $1,500. Home sales. The average price was around $283,000. Now it's $329. Coffee was just under $1 a pound. Now it's $1.50. Under Trump, wheat was about $5 a bushel. Now it's $7.50. Corn $3 a bushel, now it's $7.22 a bushel. And finally, copper was about $2 a pound under Trump, and closer to 5 now under Biden. The Democrats explain that it's probably just pent-up demand from the economy-killing COVID lockdowns, or it's from the sheer volume of cash the government has poured into the economy over the last year and a half, including Trump's non-stimulus payments. The inflation rate tripled from 1.4% in January to 4.2% in April. Household furnishings and supplies year over year was up 3% in the month of April. Used cars and trucks was up almost 21% versus last April. Other notables include lodging away from home up 7%, household operations up 5%, airline fares up 10%, and motor vehicles and parts up 9%. And continuing on this front, you will be severely mistaken if you think things will get better anytime soon on the inflation front, as the Biden administration just dropped their $6 trillion a year budget. They did so on Friday afternoon on May 28th, you know, so no one would pay any attention to it over the long three-day Memorial Day weekend. The plan's rosy outlook projects less than 2% annual growth. 
So when you subtract the over 4% inflation rate that we currently have, President Biden's budget proposal literally is calling for stagflation, like the 1970s. He is proposing presiding over a declining economy. You must ask the question, why? Five rural counties in Oregon, who are sick of being ruled by the lunatics in Portland, who let Antifa run their city, voted to secede from the state and join Idaho. According to TheHill.com, that's a total of seven Oregon counties that have voted as such. I personally agree with historian Brian McClanahan, who on a recent podcast discussed this particular subject, and he argued that these counties should not be pushing to move from Oregon to Idaho. They should be pursuing their own state. He argues that we need more states, more federalism, more members of Congress in order to dilute the federal government's power. It's quite a brilliant observation. I've produced a few episodes on secession. If you're interested in the topic, check out episodes 87, 88, and 128. During the month, the New York Times admitted that their reporting on the Steele dossier, which led to the Russia collusion hoax and the three-year Mueller investigation into Trump, which led to his impeachment, was bogus. It was well known that the fake Steele dossier was leaked to the press by the FBI, who lied to the FISA court knowing the dossier was fake. One FBI agent has already been convicted of such. But if you get your news exclusively from CNN or the New York Times or any of the rest of the alphabet soup Democrat Party PR outlets, you would have no idea. You are one of millions of useful idiots who confidently regurgitate their talking points without the slightest bit of intellectual curiosity to find the truth. So I guess that means when Trump said it was fake news, he was right. And when he accused the media of lying, he was right. What else was he right about? Tax policy? Foreign policy? Energy policy? Immigration policy? Election integrity? The danger of the National Democratic Party? Speaking of useful idiots and fake news, a recent Rasmussen Heartland survey determined that people who do not follow the news at all are better informed than those who get their news exclusively from the Alphabet Soup news outlets, CNN, MSNBC, ABC, NBC, and CBS, proving what I have believed for years, that the left is literally being dumbed down. That would explain their willingness to vote for people like AOC, Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris, Nancy Pelosi, Lori Lightfoot, and Biden, and their support for things like defunding the police and open borders. Topics in the news that the survey asked included the level of the U.S. national debt, the percentage of Americans without health coverage, and tax rates paid by wealthy individuals and families. Generally speaking, respondents who identified CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, or NBC as their favorite TV news outlets were more likely to incorrectly answer the questions than the viewers of Fox News or network news stations such as The Blaze or Newsmax. Turns out only 6% of the hundreds of thousands of deaths attributed to COVID-19 were caused exclusively by COVID. Remember last summer when real news outlets and real doctors and real scientists got banned from major social media platforms when they reported that COVID deaths were being widely exaggerated because of the lack of reporting on comorbidity? Well, in May, the CDC director admitted that the real news outlets, the real doctors, and the real scientists were right. If we had coded COVID deaths the same way we coded other deaths, we would have under 50,000 total COVID deaths in the United States. Dr. Fauci was finally outed as a fraud in corporate press outlets in May. 
any fair-minded observer of this jackass over the last 15 or 16 months already arrived at that conclusion. But now that Trump is out of office, the corporate press is slowly allowing the previously censored truth about Fauci the fraud to leak out. Senator Rand Paul has been particularly effective in exposing Fauci as a fraud. On more than one occasion, Fauci will deny a claim made by Paul under oath during Senate testimony and within a week say the opposite in an interview. Senator Ron Johnson nailed him down during May as well. In a nutshell, Fauci told the American people that masks were not necessary and are ineffective in stopping the spread of a virus. Then he told us they were necessary. Then he told us to wear two. Then he told us to wear a mask even if we were vaccinated. He claimed there was no U.S. funding of the Wuhan lab. He called Senator Paul a liar, saying we're funding research in Chapel Hill. Then a week later, he said, well, we may have provided some funding. He admitted that the NIH, which he heads, did fund some gain-of-function studies in China after denying it in front of Senator Paul's committee. Then Fauci admitted that COVID may have come from a lab in Wuhan after denying it for months. Now he's saying he's not convinced that COVID-19 developed naturally and called for a deeper investigation into the origins. It's hard to keep track of all his lies. Speaking of COVID, everyone taking the COVID vaccine is unknowingly participating in a drug trial. See, usually drug companies run their early trials in other countries. Then, when they work out all the kinks, they come to the U.S. where the FDA monitors their drug trials. Not so with the COVID jab. According to the CDC, as of April 16th, 9,200 people had tested positive for COVID-19 at least two weeks after getting their final COVID-19 vaccines. Only 9% or 835 required hospitalization, but 132 did die. The CDC announced recently that it is investigating cases of heart inflammation that have cropped up in people who have taken the vaccine. 155 cases have been reported to the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, VARS, a database run by the CDC and the FDA. This is the type of stuff you see when you're part of a vaccine trial. If Trump-era journalistic standards still applied, we would see wall-to-wall, 24-7 coverage with the parents of the dead and adversely impacted teenagers of this heart inflammation issue who took the COVID vaccine. All the deaths would, of course, be pinned on Trump, and then in the subheadline, they would point out that over 12,000 adverse effects to the COVID vaccine had been reported to VAERS, and, of course, they would place the blame right at the feet of Trump. So I figured... Why don't we just turn the tables on them? Here's my revised headline. Biden's vaccine results. Two teenagers dead so far, with several cases of enlarged hearts. Despite these results, administration still pushing to vaccinate young people. Among others, 12,000 adverse effects, fourfold more than the average vaccine. Biden's death toll continues to mount. And speaking of this VAERS system, we're seeing an interesting phenomenon occurring in the corporate press. See, they are bad-mouthing the VAERS system. This is an uncontroversial system that has been in place since the 1980s. Now that a Democrat is in the White House and all the slings and arrows are aimed in his direction, all of a sudden this innocuous system designed to track adverse effects from vaccines is corrupt. No, these people are corrupt. Question. If your employer requires you to take the COVID vaccine as a condition of employment, can you sue them later if you have long-term health problems associated with the jab? 
Continuing on the COVID front, do you remember how quickly the corporate press pivoted from talking about the Wuhan virus and the wet markets in China and bats to calling anyone who said such things a racist xenophobe while arguing that it's a debunked conspiracy theory with no evidence? Well, Facebook reversed their policy that banned posts which claimed COVID-19 was man-made just months after asserting that the theory had been debunked after the lab leak hypothesis went mainstream. Same thing happened with the Washington Post and other fact-checkers that have been forced to walk back their insistence that the lab leak theory was an impossibility. Now, this lab leak theory is the fact that the COVID-19 virus was developed in a lab. It's one of those things that Fauci denied but then confirmed. Glenn Kessler, one of the journalists at the Washington Post, faced ridicule after being forced to admit that the lab leak theory was credible, after previously attacking Senator Ted Cruz for circulating the theory and calling it a debunked conspiracy theory. PolitiFact was also forced to pull a fact check that claimed it had debunked the lab leak origin theory of COVID-19. So, after nearly 18 months of punishing anyone who suggested that COVID-19 might have originated in the Wuhan lab, Facebook has decided to stop removing posts which claim the virus was man-made or manufactured. Question, why did they censor this to begin with? Other question, why should we ever trust Facebook again if they censor posts that oppose the so-called mainstream Democrat Party talking points? They have proved over and over again to be a mouthpiece of the Democratic Party. I will answer that last question with this piece of news from May. Let's call it Project Veritas Strikes Again. Two Facebook whistleblowers exposed the company's vaccine hesitancy score, a new effort to censor content expressing vaccine hesitancy on its platform. They would remove and suspend accounts, pages, and groups that share the claim repeatedly. They would also throttle down the distribution of the person's feed. A Facebook spokesman had this to say in a statement, quote, In light of ongoing investigations into the origin of COVID-19 and in consultation with public health experts, we will no longer remove the claim that COVID-19 is man-made from our apps. We continue to work with health experts to keep pace with the evolving nature of the pandemic and regularly update our policies as new facts and trends emerge. Again, why did they feel compelled to censor it in the first place? Why can't they allow free discussion on their platform? And how do they determine what to censor? 16 million Americans are still on the government dole in one form or another, despite the fact that there are over 8 million job openings and 11 million unemployed people. And finally, you know things are bad in a country when a former president starts talking about UFOs, like Obama did in May. Pay no attention to the crush of illegal immigrants into the country. Pay no attention to inflation or the rise of China and Russia. Pay no attention to election fraud or hackers taking down our gas supply. Look over there, UFOs. And that is the truth about May 2021, the month totalitarians, Fauci, and BLM were exposed as frauds. Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast.